good to be with all of you today. Today, we are continuing this series where we're talking about spiritual gifts, and today we're going to talk about the gift of healing. And I'm really excited to talk about this for the main reasons, because we live in a very broken and we live in a very fallen world where people all around us need healing. So when you talk about healing, people tend to get really excited because most people would like to see some healing in their life. But sometimes people get a little suspicious. Sometimes people get a little discouraged when you talk about healing. As I said last week, sometimes when we talk about some of these power gifts of the Holy Spirit, we quickly run into opposition, and the opposition can come from a variety of different reasons. One of the reasons that we have opposition is because sometimes we experienced a gift and we are disappointed or we're discouraged by how the gift was used, or sometimes we have negative experience that kind of influences a lot of our theology. And so, as I said last week, so when you talk about spiritual gifts, it's so important to go back and say, what does the Word of God really say about this gift? Because sometimes it's so easy to be more influenced by our experiences or other people than actually what the Word of God really says about this gift. So today what I want to really do is just lean into you. What does the Bible say about the gift of healing? And together we can process what the Bible says and kind of understand the truth. Because historically this is how people viewed the gift of healing. There's usually historically two main views on the gift of healing. On the one side you had people saying, God doesn't heal today. They say they wouldn't deny God's power, but they say God doesn't do that anymore. That was something he did in the Bible time, but he doesn't do that anymore. And so pretty much there's really a lack of expectation that God would do anything supernatural. And what you're kind of left with is a little bit of hopelessness because there's no real belief that God's really going to intervene in your life. Then on the other hand, on the other side, you have a lot of people who think God is going to heal every single person every single time. And that's really not in the Bible either. And when people are on that side of the equation, sometimes you get into trouble because if God doesn't supernaturally heal, then the person's left there thinking, well, what did I do wrong? If God wants to heal and he didn't do it, what did I do wrong? And usually we say to those people, well, it's because of lack of faith. It's something you did wrong. And that side produces hopelessness as well because quite frankly, there's nothing I could do. So a lot of times when you talk about the gift of healing, there's a lot of hopelessness that surrounds this gift and actually that's supposed to be completely opposite. Both of these views are wrong. And actually, they can be kind of dangerous because they hurt people. But that's what happens when your theology is driven more by experience than what the Bible really says. See, a lot of people deny the gift of healing simply because they were not healed or a person that they know wasn't healed. And sometimes that can be hard and that can be difficult, and I get it. I think we've all all experienced praying for somebody that you wanted to be healed and they weren't. Or what's even difficult is when you're praying for someone and you thought for sure God was going to heal them and it didn't happen. That's painful. And my guess is every single one of you here and online have experienced that. So today as we talk about the gift of healing, it's also important that we also talk about what do you do when a person's not healed? How do you respond to that? So as I said earlier, healing is a very important topic simply because we live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world that is so far from God's original plans of perfection And it's not hard to look around and see the consequences of sin. 
It's not hard to look around and see brokenness or hopelessness or despair or frustration or sickness. Everywhere we look, we see consequences from the sin that originated in the Garden of Eden. Not only did sin and the consequences of sickness get unleashed, but Satan and his demons are also at work, trying desperately hard to get us to sin, to cause and create all the more chaos. So it's not surprising that all of us are looking for a break from the chaos. We're all looking for a break from the suffering in the world when all of us hate war. You know, I find myself the last two weeks, every morning I get up and the first thing I do is I go to my computer and I go to the world news and I see, is that war over yet in the Ukraine? I get up and I think maybe something happened at night. There's a resolution. Every morning you're like, oh, another day. And I'm here. I can't imagine what it would be like to be in Eastern Europe. Because we hate war. We hate all the consequences of war. We want to see life restored. So often when we think about Jesus, we like to think of this beautiful journey, a walk in the park, and quiet little streams and bubbly little brooks. We like that imagery a lot, and that's what we want Christianity to be like, but that's not the full picture that the Bible gives. The Bible gives a picture of war. It gives a picture of conflict. Yes, there are quiet streams, but listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 6. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on, the full, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after you battle, you still will be standing firm. That's a picture of what our life looks like on a typical day. We're battling against worldly systems. We're battling against sinful desires and we're battling against the enemy as well. And what can happen during that time? People get injured. People get hurt during a war. People get isolated during a war. People experience severe challenges during a war. But this is the good news in the midst of the war, is that God sent Jesus to this world to restore everything. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that someday our physical bodies will be completely restored. Listen to this. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. That's coming. That's our future. That's our inheritance. Revelations 21 says someday all of our tears will be gone. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things will be gone forever. That is what we look forward to as followers of Jesus. The day when our pain and our sickness and our sorrow are gone. When our tears are gone, our brokenness is gone. This is what we refer to as our inheritance. Someday that is coming. There's no question about that. But right now we're all wondering, 
is there more to life than what I'm experiencing right now? I think that's a big question all of us wonder. Is there more to life? You know, I remembered when we planted the church five years ago, I put the question out there and I said, I think everybody asks this one main question. What is my purpose in life? And so the first five years of Lake Effect Church, I tried to be every sermon, every message would kind of lead into that. What am I here for? What's God's purpose for my life? And that is a good question. But over this last week, I started to think, I think there's another question that people ask. And that question is, is there more? Is there more to the life that I'm experiencing right now? Or is this as good as it gets? Did I just cap myself at the best what I could be? I think we all wonder, is this as good as it gets? And when you start asking that question, is this as good as it gets? That is what the church needs to be able to answer. We need to be answered, have that answer for people when they wonder, is this as good as it can ever be? Because that's a good question. Because when you ask that question, is this as good as it gets? People are, what they're really wondering is, what do we do while we wait for heaven? Do we just have to live a life with pain and sorrow and no joy and no hope? Is that what we do for the next while we wait? Do we need to just resign ourselves to this is what life is like, this is what suffering is like, and this is what I should just expect? And usually those questions lead us to wonder, could we experience some of what is promised in the future right now? That's what people are wondering. Can we get some of that inheritance right now? Listen to what Jesus said, in, or the Bible says in Isaiah 53 about Jesus. Yet it was our weakness that Jesus carried. It was our sorrow that weighed Jesus down. And we thought his troubles were punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But Jesus was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be made whole. He was whipped so that we can be healed. And we read that scripture and we wonder to ourselves, if Jesus did that, can we have some of that wholeness and some of that healing right now? Or do we have to wait? See, the question is, the answer is, because of the birth and death and resurrection of Jesus, we get to experience some of that healing and wholeness right now. See, healing is simply getting now what's promised in the future. See, the gift of healing is when God says, you don't have to wait for, he to, for heaven. You can have it right now. The gift of healing is simply getting your inheritance early. See, healing is kind of like getting your Christmas presents early. So remember that as a kid, you'd get, sometimes your parents would say, you want to open a present early? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and what do people say? I got to experience Christmas a little bit early this year. I got a present. People love early Christmas. It's the same way with healing. That's kind of like early inheritance. You get something before it's really time to get it, but sometimes God in his grace and his mercy says, I want you to have that right now. We love early Christmas. 
We love early healing because we get to experience the kingdom of God right now. See, when Jesus was with his disciples, he taught his disciples, how do I experience the kingdom of God right now? Throughout the Bible, his word was, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What Jesus was saying to his disciples is, look, you can live in the kingdom of God right now while you're on earth, but this is how you're going to do it. He taught people, this is how you need to behave. This is what you, how you need to repent. This is how you need to forgive people. He gave people instructions on how to live in the kingdom of God right now to experience it. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is teaching what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And all through this sermon, all through this teaching, he tells people there is a correlation between you living in the kingdom of God and your behavior and your attitude and the way you live life. But Jesus showed us how to experience the kingdom of God right now. That's why in James chapter 5, Jesus says, look, the sin in your life can cause sickness. And in that case, you need to repent for your sin, confess it to somebody else, and pray for each other that you could be healed. But see, then there are times when your suffering or your sickness have absolutely nothing to do with your behavior or your attitude or your past. Sometimes your situation in life is simply because you live in a fallen and a broken world. Sometimes the situation in your life is just a simple result of sometimes something that somebody else did to you. And in those situations, there's nothing you can do to change your circumstances. And when you're in that situation where life seems to be kind of against you and you don't know how to get out of the situation that you're in, and you've tried everything, you prayed, you repented, and you're still in a hard situation, you begin to wonder the question, is there more to this life? You wonder, is there any relief? And you wonder, would God heal me right now? Would God give me some wholeness right now? And at times, it is part of God's sovereign plan to heal you now, or to give you part of heaven right now. Sometimes God says, I'm going to give you the kingdom of God right now. Yeah. We love that. We desire that. I remember a great story Becky's dad would tell about this little boy that he prayed for. And this boy, um, his, his, his grandfather was a, another professor at Fuller Seminary where Becky's dad worked. And, and this little boy was born without an ear. You know, he had everything internal was right, but this this thing on the outside was missing. And you kind of need this thing to hear. Even though everything on the inside worked well, without this part you don't hear well. And so obviously the parents wanted the boy to have an ear. And the doctors were frustrated because they could not attach like a fake ear on his head because he would grow and there's a good way to attach it on. He can't just glue it on or whatever. So they were in this kind of dilemma. What do, what do you do? He couldn't hear out of the side of his head. So, so they, you know, they obviously fervently prayed for this boy, but nothing happened. So, so one day they thought, well, let's bring him to Becky's dad. You know, he has a gift of healing, and let's have him pray for him. So they went to uh, my father-in-law's office, and, you know, and, and so the little boy's there with his parents, and my father-in-law prayed for him, full of faith, and nothing happened. Kept praying for him, nothing happened. A little discouraging, so the parents went to lunch with the little boy, and he's sitting in his high chair. And suddenly, 
the parents see something growing on the side of his head. And they're watching his amazement, thinking that God is growing a ear right in front of us at this restaurant. But it got out a little far, this little nub, and it stopped growing. And the parents were like, well, that's kind of cool, God. You got off to a really good start. <laughs> Would it be really hard to keep going? It's just a little ear. But it stopped, just this little nub on the side of his head. And the parents were a little frustrated. I like a nub, but we like the whole ear. But then when they went back to the next doctor's appointment, the doctor said that little nub is exactly what I need to attach an ear to his head. Exactly what he needed. But that's how healing works. Sometimes you're like, it's not exactly what I was hoping for. But yet God did something. And that's sometimes the hard part about healing is never really turns out exactly how you wanted it to. See, when you talk about the gift of healing, part of it, there's just a big mystery out there. Why didn't God just put the whole ear there? But he put enough for that boy to have an ear attached. So today we're talking about the gift of healing. And you know, God can heal in 101 different ways. He is not limited in the way he could heal. Sometimes he'll have us just randomly pray for somebody at church. Sometimes he says, call the elders of the church to pray for you. But sometimes God wants to heal you through a person that has the gift of healing. We've been reading each week out of 1 Corinthians 12 where it talks about the gifts of healing, where it says there are diversity of gifts but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries but the same Lord. There's a diversity of activities but is the same God who works in all but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And as we've gone through this list, we are now on the gift. Well, I'm kind of jumping all around. But we are on the gift, which is on my list, is number four. To another, the gifts of the healing of the same Spirit. So this is interesting because it's called the gifts of healing. It's plural. So, um, So to start first, you know, what we don't like about the gift of healing, let's just start here, is that if a person has this gift, it's not up to you to decide when you get to use this gift and how much you get to use this gift. See, if a person has the gift of healing, that doesn't mean every single person they pray for every single time is going to be healing. Healing will never happen every single person that you pray for. See, I hear people a lot will say something like, um, I don't believe in the gift of healing because I didn't get healed. Or they'll say, you know, I don't believe in the gift of healing because I tried it and it didn't work. See, this is a deal. None of us get to decide who's going to get healed and who's not going to get healed. The gift of healing is always working just fine. What's often not working is our theology or our expectations or our experiences. See, God's always working in our life. Sometimes he's just not doing it the way we wanted it to be. See, we always need to go back to Jesus as our model of a person with a gift of healing. And Jesus didn't heal every single person that he came in contact with. Jesus could only heal the people that he had permission to heal. All the time, people often say, well, Jesus could heal anybody he wanted to because he was God. That's not true. 
Jesus was limited just like you and I. When Jesus came to this earth, he surrendered his divinity, so he became a man, and he's going to rely on the Holy Spirit, just like you and I. Jesus gave up his authority to be God while he was on earth, and he could only do what God gave him permission to do. Jesus could not have healed every single person in the room because God did not give him permission. John 5, 19 says it this way. So Jesus explained to his disciples, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. Right there, he's saying, my power is dependent on God. He only does what he sees the father doing. Whatever, whatever the father does, the son also does. See, another translation says it this way, the son is able to the son is unable to do anything from himself or through his own initiative. Jesus always relied on the power of the Holy Spirit to do everything that God has called him to do. So what is this gift of healing? We go back to Becky's dad who says the gift of healing is a special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to serve as human intermediaries through whom it pleases God to cure illness and restore health apart from the use of natural means. And we see Jesus had that gift. Over and over again, Jesus was able to heal people. And I like it that it's called the gifts of healing. Because I think you'll see some people have a gift of healing to pray for a person with maybe physical pain in their body. Some people have a gift of healing to pray for somebody that has more emotional pain in their body. You see, different people often carry different giftings to pray for people in different situations. I think we all look for, if you want a, a counselor, you kind of really hope you get that counselor with a good gift of healing. It's just going to make things progress a lot quicker and a lot faster. So, so while um, the gift of healing can be used to cure and heal a variety of different illnesses, it always goes back to the will of God. See, all through the Gospels, we see Jesus in many situations with a lot of sick people. Yet he didn't heal every single person that he came in contact with. He only healed the people that he had permission to heal. And that's why Jesus spent so much time in prayer. Because when Jesus was in prayer, he always learned the will of God and what he could do and what he could not do. That's why when you talk about spiritual gifts, you always have to focus on spiritual formation. They go together. You cannot use your spiritual gifts without being a disciple of Jesus. Jesus would go away and pray all the time. Why? to understand what was God's will for his life. That's the same thing you and I do. We always go back to God and say, do we have permission to do this? I could do anything I wanted, but God, do I have your permission to plant a church? Do I have your permission to go to Covenant House and say, hey, could we bring a meal? That's what we do as followers of Jesus. We ask for permission. What do you want us to do? See, Jesus could have prayed for every single person in every single town he came to, but only the people that God wanted to heal would have been healed. Now, for you and I, we pray for every single person that asks for prayer. We never stop doing that, but it's always up to God who he's going to heal and not us. But you notice in the scripture, when Jesus prayed for a person to be healed, he usually commanded the person to be healed. Jesus didn't pause and pray for a person to be healed. He commanded them to be healed. You wonder now, why would Jesus command a person to be healed? Because he already had permission from God 
He already prayed for God in private. What do I do? And God said, yeah, you can do that. So in that situation, God gives you permission. You command it to happen. And that's what Jesus did. See, sometimes you will see believers in the body of Christ and they pray for someone. They say, in Jesus' name, I command this person to be healed. That's because they're following Jesus as their model. That's a good thing to do. But just to remind you, Jesus only commanded healing because he already had permission. If you're going to be praying for someone and you really believe that God said to you, yeah, I'm going to heal that person. Or maybe there's a group of people and you get together and say, yeah, I really believe if we pray for that person, God's going to heal them. Then get together and command healing in Jesus' name and do what Jesus modeled. But if you're not really sure, you're wondering, is God really going to heal that person? Then you just pray for them to be healed. You don't have to command every time. This is the thing about God. If he wants to heal somebody, he's going to figure out a way to get it done. But it's still good that we follow Jesus' model. If he commanded healing, then we can do that too. You remember when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? He didn't pray for God to raise him from the dead. Jesus stood there and said, Lazarus, come forth. That was how he responded to that situation. But I think we just, it's a good thing to do just, just to kind of remember, did God give you permission or are you just praying because that's a good thing that Christians should do? But probably the most important part of this message is really answering the question, what do you do when a person doesn't get healed instantly? What do you do when a person doesn't get healed? Or instead of God miraculously healing the broken leg, they have to have surgery. Or what do you do when you pray for a person full of faith and they die? That can be very difficult. What can be very difficult sometimes is people think that I didn't get healed because of a lack of faith. We need to talk about that. See, in Matthew 13... It does talk about Jesus in his, in his own hometown. And it says Jesus couldn't heal anybody because of their lack of faith. That's the scripture that talks about a prophet is not honored in their own town, hometown. That is a good illustration of people were not healed because of lack of faith. Sometimes people's theology on faith stops at Matthew 13. They don't read any other parts. They just think, oh, right there, not healed because of faith, bang, got it down. No, there's a little bit more to the Bible. So let me read a good summary quote by my father-in-law. It seems that in the exercise of this gift, all right, let me start over. It seems that in the exercise of this gift, that faith plays a crucial role. However, faith to be healed does not always originate with a person needing healing. Although this is often the case in the New Testament, sometimes the faith originates with a person doing the healing, other times, it appears as if it totally depends upon God and not upon the hearer, healer or the one receiving the healing. This is important. The phrase, the power of God was present for healing, occurs several times in the New Testament. When the power of the Lord is present for healing, the quality of faith in the one being healed and the quality of faith in the healer seems to be overshadowed by the sovereign work of God. Sometimes it doesn't matter if you have the faith or the person receiving the prayer has the faith. Because when the power of God is present for healing, about anything can happen at that point. And we like those situations. But it always goes back to the sovereign work of God. 
Because again, what it's like is you're getting your inheritance early when God does a supernatural healing. And remember in the story of the prodigal son, when he got his inheritance early, it didn't go well for that young man. Sometimes God in his sovereignty will say, no, that's not a good idea for you to get that early. And that we have to remember. Because when God doesn't heal a person and faith is present, it's very easy to feel like you don't matter to God. It's very easy to feel like maybe God's really not for me if I didn't get healed. Sometimes a person can get very discouraged when they don't experience healing. Because a lot of times when the Bible talks about when God heals people, it's to demonstrate his love and compassion. And when a person isn't supernaturally healed, sometimes you feel like, did I do something wrong? Or why didn't God want to demonstrate his power and love to me? But see, often if God doesn't heal you that way, it's because he wants to do something different in your life. And see, as a church, if God doesn't heal somebody supernaturally, that means we still stand with that person. We still love that person. We encourage that person. We're in there with them for the long haul. We pray that God would use whatever challenges that's in their life to bring them joy. That God would use whatever challenges in their life to make them stronger in their relationship with them. And that is part of the role of the church. Yes, we pray for healing for people, and we really like that. That's fun. But we also stand with people, and sometimes their healing is going to take a lot longer. And that's why the body of Christ is so important. The community of God is so important that we pray and we stand with other people. See, God is never late. God's always just doing something a little different from what we expected. So many of you familiar with the story of Lazarus in the, in the New Testament. In the Gospels, we, he, we read the story about Lazarus who needed healing. As a young man, a good friend of Jesus, he got really sick. So his two sisters sent a message to Jesus and said, Jesus, you got to come quick. Our brother's going to die. You need to come and you need to pray for him. You need to heal him. And what does Jesus do? It's almost like he on purpose waits and doesn't go. If Jesus would have got there early, he could have prayed for Lazarus that he would have been healed from a sickness. But Jesus waited strategically for him to die. Jesus' strategic plan was for Lazarus was that he would die so he could be resurrected. Jesus wanted to do a different miracle than what his disciples expected. See, the first thing that we have to remember about Jesus and the story of Lazarus is that Jesus got the message right away. It tells us in the text, it's pretty clear, Jesus got the message. Sometimes when we don't get healed, we're like, Jesus, did you hear me? Jesus got the message. And Jesus responded immediately to the message. And his response was to just wait. See, we think Jesus should heal on demand. Mary and Martha thought that would be a very good idea for Jesus to heal on demand. But if Jesus would have healed on demand, Lazarus would have never experienced resurrection from the dead. Jesus gave Lazarus a bigger miracle, even a better miracle. But see, the scripture tells us that Jesus waited four days before he went to Lazarus. 
Four days is strategic. Do you know why? Because in the, that, that culture, that, that culture of that, uh, uh, that, the first century, they kind of believed that if a person was dead for three days, they weren't totally dead yet. Maybe they're just sleeping or some, uh, something spiritual, but they, that they could wake up. So Jesus waited till the fourth day, because according to that, that culture at that time, if you're dead for four days, then you're really dead. In fact, they would say it was, your death was irreversible. Jesus waited till Lazarus was good and dead. And everybody in town knew that that man was dead and nothing could change in his situation. And sometimes through our life, God doesn't heal on demand because he's trying to do something a little bit bigger than what we could imagine or expect. See, Jesus wanted God to give the glory, but he wanted to use that situation to also change Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He wanted that to be a life-changing event. If he, would have, if he went to Lazarus' house when he was sick and prayed for him, they probably would have forgot about it three days later. But instead, before Lazarus Jesus prayed for Lazarus. Listen to what he said to his disciples. Then Jesus told his disciples plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I am glad that he was, I'm glad that I was not here, so that you may believe. What he said to his friends. Lazarus, yeah, he died, but for your sake. It was good for you. I don't know if those disciples were like, what do you mean he died as good for me? I'm kind of sad right now. I'm really not too impressed with you right now, Jesus. But he said, no, that's good for you. Why was it good for you? The word right here, so that you may believe. See, that word believe is better translated, so you would trust completely in Jesus. That's why they waited. Because Jesus wanted the disciples to trust him completely. He wanted Mary and Martha to trust Jesus completely. See, the world's all wondering, is there more to life than this? Is there anything else? See, our answer as followers of Jesus, yes, there's more. In his name is Jesus. And the world looks at us at times and says, <laughs> Yeah, that's nice and everything, but I still need some other things. And our answer is always no. Jesus is everything you need and everything that you could hope for. That's our answer. Sometimes, though, that's a hard one to understand. That takes us a while to really assimilate that Jesus is everything I could ever want and everything I could ever need because, well, at 55 years old, I still sometimes think it's other things. And God always is reminding me, no, Jesus is everything you could hope for. And he's everything you need. That's our answer to the world. I love it when Jesus heals supernaturally a miracle. That is the kingdom of God invading your life. That is early inheritance. But sometimes when Jesus doesn't heal, it's so we surrender completely to him. And we remind ourselves that Jesus is all that I need. Jesus will not hold back one single thing for us. If God has given you Jesus for salvation, he's not going to hold back anything. If he opened the door to let you in to be his son or his daughter, he'll give you everything else. And sometimes what we just need is more belief.
And praise God, every single day he's working on giving us our inheritance at just the right time. Not too early, not too late, but at the right time so we can believe. And that's what's fun about spring, is there's new life, there's new birth, there's new hope, there's new joy. Because God says, at just the right time, I will make it happen. And that's the peace that we can have as followers of Jesus. That we have hope that at the right time he's going to make it happen. Oh yeah, I want someone to get healed miraculously. But I can sit back and relax and say, but at just the right time he'll make it happen. That's the peace, that's the inheritance that we give right now. Is the Holy Spirit in us that says you don't have to worry about making it happen. You don't have to worry about performing your faith you don't have to worry about performing anything because at just the right time, I will make it happen for you. And that's the good news of the gospel. And that's a good message that we get to share with the world that at just the right time, God will make it all happen. So God, I thank you for today and I thank you for this message. And Lord, I thank you that we can take confidence in the fact that Lord, at the right time, you're gonna make it happen. Lord, I don't have to strive I don't have to pretend to have faith. I don't have to try to stir up faith when I'm in complete disbelief because you are bigger than that. Lord, your word says when the power of God is present for healing, healing is just going to happen. So we thank you for that. God, I pray that your presence would be here for healing now. In the sanctuary, online, God, pray in Jesus' name that you would just give us miracles of healing, that you would let us have some of our inheritance right now. But God, we trust you completely with our lives, that we would believe in your son and believe in the good plans that you have for us. So Lord, I bless each person listening to me. I know, Lord, some people, this was a hard message because you're still left there with a the loss of somebody that you prayed for that you believed would be healed and it didn't happen. So God, in the midst of this message, I pray for your comfort and peace and shalom to be on every person here. Lord, we love you so much and so grateful for this day and for your son in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, For our gospel came to you not merely in the form of words, but in mighty power infused with the Holy Spirit. See, God wants to give us more than words to communicate. He wants his mighty power to go with it. We talked about the gift of healing today, and we know that Jesus had the gift of healing because we see him use it a lot. And there's an illustration when Jesus uh, healed a woman with the issue of blood. Some of you remember the story, Jesus is in a crowded room, crowds are all around him, and he's being bumped into by every person there. But suddenly Jesus says, hey, who touched me? Who touched me? Because I could feel healing power leaving my body. Huh. Sometimes as followers of Jesus, we can feel healing anointing in us. We can feel that we have the gift of healing. Jesus could feel that, and when it left his body, he could feel it leave. Doesn't happen to everybody with a gift of healing, but it's common that I'll hear, hear from people the gift of healing say, yeah, my hands were hot, or I could feel it in my body. I just knew the person I was going to pray for, God wanted to touch them in such a way. So I want to pray for all of you that are here, all of you that are home online watching, and a lot of you that are going to be watching later this week. Because I believe all of you are candidates to receive the gift of healing. 
God decides who gets the gift of healing. It's not me, not my prayer, but it's God who decides. But God, I come to you right now on behalf of these people here and at home and online and later this week. And God, I know there's some people here that you want to give them the gift of healing, or maybe they have the gift of healing. They're just not aware of it. Or maybe they have a gift of healing, but they're not just very confident in it. God, I pray for each person here, Lord, that you would increase their capacity with a gift of healing. God, I pray that any person here that you have the gift of healing for, that, Lord, not only though they know it deeper in their heart, but that they would feel it. God, I'm asking for people here to feel the healing anointing that you're giving to them. May they feel it in their body, maybe warmth, maybe, maybe cool, something. God, I am praying for every person listening to me with a gift of healing that they would feel it in their body. God, we just say we'll receive from you the gift and more of the gift and more of an activation of the gift. And Lord, so often the gift of faith goes with the gift of the healing. Lord, would you give that to us, what you want to give to us? Lord, we desire to be obedient to you, that we would minister with words, but also with your power. Now, may we feel your power and sense your power and move with boldness and move with confidence. Set us free from any and all superstition. Set us free from trying to strive. Set us free from hopelessness. And Lord, give us your confidence in your discernment, in your wisdom, along with your power and authority. May we move in the authority and the permission that you give to us. Help us to be obedient, to always seek you for permission. Help us not to walk in presumption, but help us to walk in permission. God, thank you for the opportunities that you're going to set up this week for us to move with power and authority and and permission. I thank you, Lord, for the surprises that you're going to give to us this week to use this gift. 